Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Right, welcome to Under the Radar. Two-part special now with Mickey Flanagan. Uh, thank you. We've been trying to get you for ages, and you're not liking your black coffee. I can no, see I've that. not tasted it yet, but I can... Uh... I can tell it's not of the high end. He's changed, he's just changed. <laughs> Started playing arenas, now he's complaining about coffee. <laughs> I can still Took do us four years, coffee. four years to get him in to do this. Is this a barista? <laughs> so, so, how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, since 1996-7, I think. So that... w- what age were you then? 35, 36. That's a weird one, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, were you, when, when you were kind of a kid, did you kind of have aspirations for it and just didn't bother going for it? No, not at all. It wasn't even on my radar, the idea of being a comic. So what happened? I, would, I didn't sort of know how you would get into it. Where, where would you start? You know, all the, the comedy, comedy I'd... Yeah, but all the comedy I'd seen growing up was either on holiday camps or in pubs... Uh, on Bethnal Green Road on a Sunday lunchtime. You weren't aware of the All on the TV, the comedians. Right. Because the weird thing is, uh, I thought you'd been doing it for longer, because what I loved about you, you're one of the few people that I'm so happy that you're a big success, because you've yeah. kept to your grounding. Yeah, yeah. Did you Did you have your voice straight away? I think starting later, it came yeah. much quicker, yeah. There was no agonising over what I was actually, what sort of a comic was I, was, was I going to be. I hear people talk about that. Yeah, they, I, they start off one way and they end up completely different a few years we're, later. we're rubbish for the first couple of years. Yeah, anyway. well, yeah you certainly don't know what you're doing, but you know what you want to do. You're, I think you're slightly in front if you say, this is the sort of comedy I want to do. See, my biggest hero was always Richard Pryor. So yeah. that's why I wanted to be a comic. And I thought, I'll do stuff like him. Not, obviously, blacking up and stuff. But, um, <laughs> just talking about stuff. You used to come out with that comb stuck in I your know, way. Yeah. I used to think, this is, yeah, you've well, gone too yeah, far. experimenting. Yeah. But, so I thought, yeah, I'll do that, because this, this is my favourite kind of comedy. I started off in a double act doing Star Trek impressions. Mm. Because I was just not good enough to have my own voice. No, no, but you were getting used to being the centre of attention and what can work. And Yeah, so, like, did you remember your first set? Like, was it about you? Yeah, yeah, it was all about me. Yeah, definitely. Cause, like, right, because let's because you've had quite a checkered kind of uh, life uh, with jobs and stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've had loads of different jobs. And so there's been a huge change in your life. And how? Yeah. What is the biggest change now? Um, Besides not liking bad coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose if you was to sit sit down and say what is the the difference between your former life that's and what I've just asked now. you Mickey. I've got to turn into a positive security I suppose that I'm now you know I'm secure in the sense in which I don't have to worry about the future you know well you're going to die one day that bit I can't do anything yeah. about although who knows if, but, if Branson comes up with a podger or something but like I've noticed like the likes of uh, John Bishop he's just bought a country mansion and stuff that's right you're, you're pretty much just got a nicer place in South London didn't yeah. you yeah yeah, no, that doesn't appeal to me, that country living and 
things like that. No, no. What about the all. missus? Is she pushing you that way? Not at all. She, she can think of nothing more horrific than. And you, you've got one kid, yeah. I've got a little boy, yeah. Is he? Will he be going to private school? Uh, not if I've got anything to do about it. No. That's We've done what most people do. If, if you if you get a few quid, you try and buy a house in the area where the local schools are of a quality or a yeah. level, for whatever that. Pretend means. they're Catholics. Yeah, there is the religious element, um, but no, you, you, that's what you do. No, I mean, my fight is for him to have the most normal upbringing that he can have, which is going to be a tricky one because, like. Everyone's going to recognise you, so they're going to, your dad's yeah. famous. So yeah. he has that to deal he with. He does have that to deal with. And um, he's not particularly impressed. I think anyway, it just bothers him a little bit, really. If we're out for the day and I, have to, I get stopped and, you Which know. happens all the time, I tell yeah. you. Yeah. So he's getting used to the fact that, that I'm sort of two people, you know, I'm yeah. dad indoors. But when I'm out, I'm somehow this sort of person that people shout at as they go past yeah, you're called the, the It's called a schizophrenic. <laughs> That's yeah, what was, you have. I'm schizophrenic to but him. Like, but I, I'd imagine not many people shout bad stuff at you because people just love you. Yeah, no, no, it's all very supportive. It's all very nice. I must tell you, my uh, my boiler wasn't working uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is a guy I use all the time to fix my boiler. He's in there fixed it going, how's the comedy going, Sean? Never has ever been to see me once. He went, yeah, I went to see Mickey Flanagan again. I love him. Mm-hmm. I'm just, st- I'm giving you work here and you can't be bothered to come and see me live. <laughs> well... You know, if I can throw this back to you, I mean, you had a huge amount of sort of success and yeah. fame. You were on primetime TV. I can remember, if you were talking about influences, I can right. remember seeing you many years ago on Sean's show and, and things like that. And I'm thinking, that guy's doing, you know, I'd love to do that. You know, to have my own TV Yeah, because you're writing your own uh, sitcom, aren't you? I'd, I'd like to, yeah. But it's, it's on the but, table for next year. But have you started? You were, you, last time I met you, you were writing it. Um, no, what I did was I wrote a sort of uh, a short for the BBC that went out on an iPlayer, which right. was more or less a sense in which this is the sort of thing I want to do. It was a 10-minute short about me killing a fox in the garden and the repercussions of all that. Why did you kill a fox in the garden? Because, like most people who live in uh, sort of London now, our lives are somewhat blighted by the, the fox, or the family of foxes that live... At the end of our garden. You've adopted a family of foxes. Well, the woman next door has, and she she feeds them up and she looks after them. And so I've got these four of the healthiest foxes in the country. And you're killing my, them. Well, it was in my dream that I killed them. Uh, and then what I actually did was I threw a can of beans at one and it caught him on the wrong side of the head and killed him. And it was caught on CCTV. This is um, a this sitcom, is not, true. Not, not a documentary. <laughs> no, no, it was just... I like, when I'm doing comedy, I like dealing with areas where everyone's sort of not quite sure, is this, is this okay? Is it funny? Is it not? Right. You know, so the idea that these wild animals live with us and are protected to a certain extent, you can't just go, oh, there's a fox in the gun, go and shoot it. You're not allowed to do that. You can do that with Is rats. that against the law? Actually? It's against the law. Right. So they're protected. They're part, they're where the countryside meets the city, you know, so they're, they're not like rats or... Um, You're allowed to murder rats. Most people would murder a rat, wouldn't they? Well, see, I've got dogs, so they deal mm. with that. I, I did have a cat, and the cat even left it up to the dogs. and went, you're bigger, you go and get the rat. You go and sort the rats out. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, so to me, it just... And, and also, I like the fact that something as simple as a, a fox in your garden can spark this huge national debate about the rights and wrongs of... You know, these animals in the Well, you get animal city. rights people right on your back for that. Oh, they would just go ballistic if the thought... You know, um, 
So it was just that. It was my way of dealing with a, a good old-fashioned urban problem. So when you get down to you write six episodes... Yeah. And they'll be mainly about wildlife in your garden. That, that, that will probably come into it. That Every will, episode. Yeah, well, animals in the city. You know, you just said you've got dogs. How many yeah. dogs have you got? Two. Two. Do they bark a lot? Only when the doorbell goes. Well, yeah. like, one of them's deaf. It still hears the doorbell. But this, this is the first year fireworks didn't affect them. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah just that's going, a tough time. And when did firework not become three weeks I long? Know. It's ridiculous. Oh, it just fires you up the wall. Especially, like, you know, three weeks later, on a Thursday around six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> did you just find Who's one? Who's out there? Like, oh, feel no, people are sitting there watching a bit of telly. We've got them rockets in the cupboard, <laughs> yeah. mate. Yeah. Okay, come on. Come See, on. My, my dream with fireworks is, because I find them tedious as well. I've never gone to a oh, display. Double beyond belief. But yeah. what I want them to do is invite people around to a firework display, which lasts six hours. Yeah. And they have to stay there for the six hours. And you go, no, I've got plenty more. <laughs> and just see how bored they get. Well, I went to a display this year over a cricket. Because uh, you have a kid. Yeah. Well, we, you, you sort of, I don't really want to put fireworks in but so we went to this display and there was beer there and you could get burgers and a bit little big bonfire and it was all very nicely done. But the actual display went on for a bit too long. Yeah. I think it was like two, two or three, minutes. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, we're, all right, we're done. Yeah, you know. Did you make a big speech? <laughs> Listen, everybody. And there's always I'm doing that, arenas, right? And there's that old bit of me that's just thinking you. Could, this money could have been spent on anything yeah. but this, and we didn't have it, you know. But, see, I'm quite frugal, and I get the impression you are as well, yeah? Frugal? Yeah. Yeah, I think in the sense that, you know, if you... Say, if I go into the off-licence, and say I want to get a can of beer, for example, and it, the bloke's trying to charge pound twenty. And I think, well, why are you charging one twenty? Everyone else is charging 90 pence around here. I won't buy it. Right. So you want fairness? Yeah, it's, it's fair. It's that... You know, I don't like it when people take the piss. Right. Like, you know when you go to the theatre and sort of like a bottle of beer is £6.50 and things yeah, like that? you don't buy it. No, I feel like saying to everybody, nobody buy these beers. Sneak them in, <laughs> have, the, have the night off, do whatever it takes. Let these beers sit here because if we, if we all buy these beers on these bottles of rubbish wine for £7.25, yeah. I hate that sense in which someone's gone... We've got you now. Yeah. You're going to get it. You're going to um, get it big time. But at home now, would you be the type that, say it's quarter past four, it's getting dark, would you go, we'll turn the heating on now or leave it another half hour? <laughs> well, I always fight for the extra time for it to remain cool. Yeah. Like most men, because my wife would have it on at half past two. Right. You know, so no, I say, no, look, you know, it's not even dark, you know, and... Uh, and, and She's I, going, it's snowing out, Mickey. And I, I, I undo the piece of tape on the front of her face and I say, look, <laughs> in a minute, we'll put it on. And then I put it back across, you know. Because I remember our catchphrase when we were growing up was uh, turn on the immersion heater because we didn't have it on 24 hours a day. No, you put it on for the amount of time to run, what, one and a half baths out of an immersion heater? Did you? It made you got, the wheel spin like a maniac, yeah. didn't it? Oh, we got a very exciting time for the immersion heater at that moment. Mm. But so, tell us about your upbringing. So you started off. You're London through and through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Bethnal Green. Yeah, proper London then. I, yeah, yeah. That's central it's, London. There's e- not Eton. that many London people in London now. No, I know the um, the Cockney diaspora. Well, they they've all gone to Kent, haven't they? Uh, Kent, Essex, um, all over the world. You know, I you, once... everywhere you go, you'll meet someone from central London who's just gone. Nah, I bought me council flat and. Sold it, and I, I, I live here now. 
I once went, I don't know what I was doing in there, the Blue Water Centre in Kent. Yeah. Everybody looked like Terry Alderton. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it was really They weren't being two people all the time, were they? Honestly, it just, it just freaked me out. <laughs> there is a certain look. I'm going to buy a coat. You want a coat, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but so, so would you even go to somewhere like Kent or Essex? To live? Yeah. No, because I think um, I want to live in London. This is where I live. You know, I don't want to go and live uh, is it for outside London. But you're in a detached place now, then? No, no, it's a semi-detached. Mickey, where, what's, where, what are you doing with all your money? Well, you know, it's like I said, it's there. It's just sitting there waiting, you know. It's, you're not getting any interest on that. No, tell me about it, yeah. So that- if you do things the right way, you can only sit there. Um you know, but that, like I said, all this wasn't about money. I know, for me. Yeah. It was, you know, the money's a sort of a, like a, a Brucey bonus. It, it's security. I think when you come from a, a, a family where they've not had any money ever right. throughout the whole generations, you could go back probably sure. a few hundred years ago, this family has never, ever had any spare money. And suddenly you're the one person who goes, actually, well, you have to have some spare money now. The last thing you're going to do is spunk it, and it really. But so, were you giving it to these members of the family who haven't, or you go no, do, do your own stuff? <laughs> I say to him, look, go get yourself five minutes yeah. comedy store Thursday night, start doing some legwork. No, it's there. I think because when I was growing up, I used to look at you know when you get on the train and you sort of get the train through certain areas and the nice houses, yeah. and, and I used to look and think. Man, those people who live in those houses, they must feel so secure. See, I you thought you were going to say, I'm a burgle, some of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd sl- sling the bag over the shoulder <laughs> and we'd be in like a shot just to make it. Right swag on the bag. <laughs> yeah. So everyone knows what on. you're doing. But so that's, that's a weird one. So um, so you, you came up and you just uh, you left school. And did, did you start straight away working in the fish market? Yeah, my. Um, Dad got me a job in Billingsgate Fish Market when I was about 14. This sounds like Oliver Twist. I know, it is. It's, it's Twistonian, isn't it? In a, you know, but this, I, I always say to people, I, people in, in their sort of 50s, which I am now, uh, we call... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That very tail end of old London, yeah. a post-war broken London. That still, the you know the, the the market reached back between the wars, and those men, you know, I walked around with soldiers, you know, men who'd gone off and fought and come back and got their license again, and all. so I caught the tail end of this very very old London. What age are you now then? Fifty-two. Right, you look fifty-one. I know that's what people keep saying. I know. To I me. think this cheap beer is it's doing get, it's getting to here. bed early. Yeah, but it's, yeah. So that's a really weird thing. So I take it like pretty much like me. Like when you started saying I'm going to do stand up, they were just going, "You're having a laugh, yeah." Yeah, well, it was um, a long period of um, 
going to do things that I really wanted to do. Uh, and one of them was to go back and get an education, which I did. And I, I went to evening classes and then I went to university. To study what? I did social sciences and the media. So even your parents must be going, what the hell are you... Did you become a bloody plumber? Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, I walked away from the fish market when I was 18, having been a porter for maybe a year and a half. Right. Do you hate fish now? I, I, I love fish. Right. I, you know, no. But I, I sort of tend to, you know, because back then, a job in one of the London markets certainly was a job for life and a really well-paid job yeah, yeah. for life. Well, because of the arrows. Were yeah, similar. the father and son thing, you got it passed down to you. I mean, you were very lucky to have Will it. Will you be shooting fish in your sitcom? Will I be shooting fish? Fish in your, in your sitcom. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, you've got to get that anger <laughs> out of there. I should just be going to the ocean with hand grenades. <laughs> Surf end, look out. Um, so, right, you went there for four years, and then you... So you were doing night school after that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, about 25, 26, I went into my local institute of education, uh, higher education, said I'd like to come back to, and do some sort of studies. You know, I left school 14 with no qualifications. Okay, uh, I did a Return to Studies Association course for three months. Then I did my GCSE English. And then I studied um, uh, with the Open University for a year. And then I did a second year with the Open University. It would have been a lovely story on you. You failed every one of those exams, didn't <laughs> every, you? They chucked me out, <laughs> lost me bag, picked on, bullied. So that was basically what I did. I just, you know, and then at the end of that studying for the Open University with two years, they said, look, you could go to full-time university. And that's what I did. I, you know, I applied. Did you get for, a grant? Yeah, we got the grants, and uh, I also had the loans. Well, on but this I very think... day, the students are I marching know. because they've been made to pay for their grants. You should be on that march, Mickey. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. I think my life has been a, a catching the ends of things. Right. You know, almost like I could see this educational ship leaving the leaving the harbour. You know, right? Thinking probably in a few years I won't be able to get. You know the funding to go to the open university to study with the open university and going to university is going to be really expensive. So and I, I was one of the only so people. You're a where, profit, really. Basically. Yeah, I am. I'm, yeah. I'm, you don't. You keep that very quiet. I, well, you know, because it could get you killed. And, uh, Socially, what's happening next <laughs> in the world? <laughs> but so I also com- combined that with getting a council flat, which I'd applied for some ten years before, just for yourself. Yeah, my own council flat. But so, it's hard to get it. When you're just on your own, isn't it? Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. I'd come to the top of the list over 10 years, and this uh, bedsitter, one-bedroom flat, came, became available on the Boundary Estate, and they phoned me up and said, you know, you've come to the top of the list, do you want it? This was about a month before I was about to go to university, so everything came together. Did they say to you, you've come to the top of the list, or did they go, someone's died? <laughs> Well, that was it. You I mean, must have thought that. When I went into the flat, it was like, you know, like you know an old man has yeah. been sitting there for the last 10 years of his life and like he'd, Found he'd worn holes in the floorboards with his chair. Yeah, did you, you know? get rid of everything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had to. But it was sort of like. Did they clear it out? Like they didn't have pictures of Moretton. No, no. They, what they do is they do a cursory clean, but right. you're the one who's got to get the air from between the floorboards. And the blood and, off and, the Yeah, and it. that's not smell of old man, but a flat that's not been cleaned properly for nearly um, 20 years. Were you living years. with your parents up to that point? I'd gone backwards and forwards, yeah, right. to my parents. You know what it's like. You're you know. very Italian. Yeah, you get, well, you leave, things go wrong, you go home again, don't you? you know. I never went back. No, you never went back? No, no. Well, they live in it. Like, obviously, I had to emigrate to do the comedy as well. See, yeah. you didn't. You weren't aware there was alternative uh, 
places I was, and I was in bloody Dublin at the time. Well, this was the thing, you know, I do remember, you know, I mean, obviously, um, for a lot of people in my day, Billy Connolly and, like you said, Richard Pryor, these were the guys who I looked at and thought, they're not doing jokes. They're talking yeah. about their lives in a funny way and relating it to a, a big old, you know. And, that, and I was also thought, I could do that, but I didn't really, couldn't really see the way in until I started to see uh, alternative comedy clubs and, and used to go to the Market Tavern in right. Islington. Um, and I started going and going, well, actually, these guys are just doing that as well. So, and you did, like, what everyone else had, just open spots? I went to the Jackson's Lane Community Centre. Oh, I live near there. Yeah. <laughs> was, was that to do a comedy course? Yeah. And did, did you find that helpful? Because I'm anti all that. Yeah, not particularly. I mean, I, I, you know, my instincts told me that you can't learn comedy. and that, But what it did, it gave you... You know, I met, got to meet Ivor Dembina and Charmian Hughes and... Right. Um, Rob Hitchmo told me about the business and... Well, once you made it big, you dropped them <laughs> like it. <laughs> you even you yeah, mentioned yeah. their names and you were trying to remember. <laughs> who was it? I was friends with who helped me out at the start. But, now, the one thing that uh, I want to ask, which I wonder if this is a worry of yours. I love Billy Connolly. Yeah. But even now he still talks about his time on the uh, ships. Yeah. You, go, you don't do that. You hang out with royalty and... Yeah, I mean, it is a problem, I suppose, when you have some success. Is that, you know, you you've come from the people, but now it's ridiculous to start carrying on that uh, sense in which you, you know you're still, you know, not suffering, but you know, living their lives. But are you um, still harvesting a lot of your past now? Then, yeah. No, less and less of it, to be honest, because not only does it not apply to me uh, work-wise, because I've not done a sort of proper job for nearly 15 16 years now it doesn't you know i can't sort of say that i have to worry about money that much anymore it's a lie so you just try to avoid those subjects on stage no but i think you can talk about your new experience of them yeah but the only point is like you know whenever i see you uh proper working class people are going to see you they do love you yeah and it's just a weird thing of like if you're going uh yeah i got 48 million in the bank they're going oh, i'm not really relating to this bit <laughs> You know what I mean? No, but I think, you know, I like to think that most reasonable people think as long as you've earned your money fairly and you've not done anything wrong to get it, they're good luck to you. You know, but you, you won't go help. out on stage and sort of say a version of, oh, how are you lot coping with, uh, you know, size of mortgages? But on the same principle, you know, I did live the large part of my life with no money. I know, yeah. So I do know how it feels. I've not forgotten. Do you remember Steve Bowdovich? I don't know if he's still going. Do you remember him? Um, yeah, I used he, to love Steve. Yeah, one of my favourite lines he used to do is uh, he, he show people his bracelet. He goes, see that bracelet? You bought that for me. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love his blakey. That was what he used to make me laugh. Yeah. And so um, have you kept in touch with the people? Because what tends to happen is you come up with a gang of comics and then they're yeah. your peers for the rest yeah. of your life. Do you tend to, like, I don't think anyone's resentful of your success, but no. is it must be quite hard to hang out with those people now. No, just at a very practical level, you just don't meet them. Cause once you're off the circuit... Is, that's because of the gates you have in your house. Well, it, sometimes, you know, the, you know, the uh, gun turret I've had. Yeah. I, it's not manned. Okay. So, you know... When that's manned, I will let them walk past the house and things like that. Pick them, I try to pick them off one at a time. You're picking off animals, old <laughs> friends. And then after you finished university, am I right in believing you went to America? Yes. Yeah, I went to... Um, no, I, I, this, this is where it all gets a bit... Not lost, but 
I went to America when I was 18 to get away from the fish market. Okay. And if we're going to talk about, you know, what... Did you just jump on one of the boats that was at the market? Yeah, uh, yeah I, got, right. I got in some, some, some herrings right. and I got underneath them. I put two sprats over my eyes That's and we, we took off for New York. New York! Coffee in a bit. Um, but no, if we're going to get a, a, about what changes your life, it can only be doing... Because you've got nothing. You've got no education and no money and no power or whatever. One of the few things you can do is just go. But how long did you go for then? Six months. And was that the plan or were you just going to see how it went? Well, yeah, I sort of went there with a view. I told the bloke I was working with, I said to him, look, I'm going to go on Ollie for two weeks with the idea that if I was having a good time and I'd found work and I liked the place, I wouldn't come back. But, if, you know, it was, I didn't want to throw my job in and then get to New York and think, oh, it's horrible here. I know I ain't got a job. Um, but no, once I've been there for a couple of weeks, I absolutely loved it. But it wasn't about going to New York. That wasn't what it was about. It was about saying, I want a different life. I don't want to be a Billingsgate fish porter. I don't know what I want, but I don't want this. And if I don't sort of break this now and start putting some things in which are going to shift my life around a bit, you know, nothing will happen. And did you go on your own, though, yeah? I talked to mate into doing it. Like he did with your new travel on <laughs> Well, it wasn't the same fellow, was it? No, no, this was Mickey. He was a, he was a motorbike messenger at the time in the city. And right. I, I remember us taking and parking his bike up outside the office. And just... um, was this a thing that you'd planned over months then? Yeah, well, I'd spoken to a few chaps down the fish market and sort of said, you know, I just I want to get away. I don't want to just, you know, fall into being a fish pool. Well, they and... must have loved you saying that to them. Well, a lot of the guys down there were... You know, had lived really full and full lives. You know, they, especially the younger ones. Right. And um, and a few of them said, "Oh, well, you could go kibbutz, or you could go maybe go down to the West Country, work one of the holiday camps, or something." And and I was like, "No, it doesn't seem big enough. It doesn't seem exciting enough." You know. So it it, it had to be somewhere quite a long way, and it was a gesture on my part to say that I'm sort of taking control of my life, and I'm going to go away. And when I come back, I'm probably not going to come back down the fish market. Because I, I, I can't, I don't want to do Did you this. ring them after two weeks and go, fuck off? <laughs> I just let it, let it slide, as it were. But that's, uh, so you never told them that you were... No, no. But they probably... I well, think they tumbled out after when, when a month. When they saw you, you know, leaving with 15 suitcases. Yeah. Two-week holiday, is it? Yeah. It was fairly unheard of to just leave you. But did you need to have a visa to get into America then? Yeah, yeah. This was back when... You sort of had to apply for a visa and be very honest on... This is how naive we were. Me and my friend Mickey, we sort of just put on the thing, going to America, going to travel around a bit. When we run out of money, we'll come home. That's what you put on it. Roughly those... Right. You know, so when we got up there for our visa, we got called in by the the official guy, you know. And he's like... One of you smells of fish. He said, to us, "He said, what, what, what's all this? How much money you got? You know." And I'm like, "Well, I said I've got about eight hundred quid or something. But I'm going to leave some money here for my mum." And I answered all these questions rather naively, you yeah. know, saying, "Look, I'm probably going to come home, mate. What's your problem? It's only America, you know." And he was like, "Well, you know, it's like we don't normally just let people roam around the country." I said, "Well, what, what's it? Is there sort of like a law against it or something?" And he's like, "Well, not really." I'm like, "Well, what, let me go then." And I think he was a bit like. This guy's obviously telling the truth because he's getting almost annoyed with me. And he just stamped my passport with a multiple and indefinite visa. And so that and meant... I got to use that for the next decade, backwards and forwards to America. Wow, well, 
be honest with people. Yeah. That's what you do on stage as well. But And so, d- did you actually work in America then? Were you allowed to work? Yeah, I got a job in a restaurant bar on uh, in uh, Long Island. And yeah, at, at the time of my life, had the absolute, the summer. You know, I think everyone has a summer where you finally go, actually, you can take control of your life and do whatever you like. And it changes you. Because you go, right, this, you can, you don't always have to take what's dealt out to you. You can well, make changes. Well, to you, you know, like mm. Canada. We'll finish this podcast on that note, the positive yeah. one. Let's try and make the other one a bit more negative. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll still be here after this march. Don't worry uh, about that. Right, so you've been listening to Mickey Flanagan. That's part one of uh, Under the Radar with me, Sean Hughes. Uh, thanks for listening.